Some tragedies are avoidable, some are not. But whether we can veer around the tragedy or we have no choice but to crash right into it, one thing is certain. It's all useless unless you can find a way to make sure that nothing like it ever happens again. Y'all listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. This is Radium Girls Part 2, and we're picking up right where we left off. Just for a refresher, Vaughn Sachaki and Chief Medical Examiner Martland are just about to perform the very first radioactivity tests on live human beings, sisters Marguerite Carlo and Sarah Meleffer. Vaughn Sachaki, uh, he says, okay, Martland, you got to look at the girls. I know, you know, you're the chief medical examiner, so normally this would maybe be after death, but let's, can we, can we do this? So they go to the hospital to see Marguerite Carlo and her sister, Sarah Meleffer. I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. That sounds like a curse word. That's <laughs> not does. like a word you, it does. you stupid Meleffer. So I'm going to use that from now on. Be like, it's a name. Well, it's short for Malefucker. <laughs> <laughs> So they come up with radioactivity tests for the living. Not a thing that was really, uh, I, I think elsewhere somebody had come up with one but hadn't published any results on it yet. So this was done independently. They do, uh, a, a, one test is a scan and another test is a breath test. And the results are just, you know, like, uh, it's not great. <laughs> it's very bad. Uh, you had one case where you're supposed to have 8.5 subdivisions in 30 minutes. And I don't know what subdivisions are, but it's, this is in the breath test. And the result uh, was 99.7. Sarah, I mean, she struggles to give this breath test at all. She can barely breathe. She dies two days afterwards on June 18th, 1925. And uh, there's an autopsy, but since... He doesn't need the specialist anymore from USRC. He can go ahead and not be sworn to secrecy. And so he goes to the press, he goes to the press before the results are even in. And Sarah's death is even on the front page of the New York Times. Below the fold, of course, because she's a woman. (laughs) Entirely possible. Her left, some, some autopsy results for you. Her left leg was four centimeters shorter than the right. Your bone marrow should be yellow and fatty. Hers was dark red. I'm very uncomfortable with that. Mm. Very uncomfortable. I don't like even the word marrow, so that was that was uncomfortable. They tested all of her organs and bones, and every single thing they tested was radioactive. So Drinker finds out about this, and he's like, well, pff, words out. I'm publishing my report, mm-hmm. because they had tried to keep him silent. And everybody who's afflicted, they start going to Martland for testing. He basically lays it out that there is no cure. But they have hope for a lawsuit. Maybe. <laughs> hope for a lawsuit if you can live that long. And it was a real kick in the nuts because the radium companies said, you need to give us this amount of time. Like, whenever it came time for the court hearings, they went, you need to give us five more months. Yeah, they would stall and delay mm-hmm. and ask for continuances. Essentially waiting for these people to die. Exactly. Okay. And it, even if you could manage, the, the federal statute of limitations on, mm-hmm. on industrial poisonings was only two years. And if it wouldn't have been for the media going nuts. Oh, and they did. They mm-hmm. went fucking nuts. Uh, and the media went, no, what the hell? And they pressured them to actually... 
have the court hearings when they were supposed to. God bless journalism. Okay, so I, I just want to share this bit before we get to the legal stuff. The ingested radium had settled into the women's bodies and was emitting constant destructive radiation that had honeycombed into their bones. It was literally boring holes in their bones while they were alive. Like, the, the amount of pain that these women were in is insane. Your skeleton has all the sturdiness of a Nestle's crunch. One woman's spine was crushed as she was alive. Oh. She had to wear a back brace. Another's jaw was eaten away to, quote, a mere stump. Women's legs were shortened, like you said, that the, she had one short leg. Mm -hmm. And their legs, arms, anything would just spontaneously break. And okay. they wouldn't even realize it had broken because they were already in so much damn pain that it was just a, like a, a fly buzzing. Okay, I tried to stay away from the photos. Go ahead, hit me with them, Amber. No, you said okay. you had them. No, no. We're good. We're good. We, we got to keep this moving. Yeah, we got to keep this moving. I got you have Google several pages left. God. Um, so. You know what? I'm kind of happy. <laughs> I wanted a live reaction, but you know what? No, I don't need that in my brain. So Von Sachaki, after all of his immersing his arm, he tested higher than anyone as far as radioactivity was concerned. Uh, and Marguerite Carlo, she was still alive, but barely. Her blood count was 20. 100 is the norm. Not good. Uh, her lower jaw was a stump. Uh, she died December 26, 1925 at home, age 24, only six months after her mm -hmm. sister. I mean, this is decimating, not decimating, I hate using that word wrong, thank you. This is just running right through families. And it's just it's just leaving leaving holes in the families where, you know, like you're like one sister gone, another sister gone because they all thought they had this great opportunity and it turned out to be the worst thing they could possibly encounter run by people who didn't care that it was the worst thing they could possibly encounter and don't want to admit it. So uh, in 1926, Catherine Wiley does get a law passed making radium necrosis co compensable, but... She's not able to get it retroactive, and it's still only a five-month statute of limitation, and it's only jaw necrosis. So if you get it on your leg, if you get it in your arm, if you get it in your hip, you're, you're, you're shit out of luck. There is no... That's why they called it the statute of limitations, SOL, shit out of luck. <laughs> there is no proof just because my client's jaw fell off that her leg falling off had any any relation to the jaw. It just fell off because she was a floozy. Whore. <laughs> <laughs> you did have some suits getting settled. Uh, Marguerite and Sarah's father got uh, uh, the equivalent of 172000 today. Uh, Hazel Couser's uh, husband got the equivalent of 14000 today. Uh, and then we have the introduction of uh, the supreme asshole of the piece... Dr. Frederick Flynn. You fucking dick. This guy. <laughs> this guy. He is working for USRC. They bring him in, uh, and he uh, published a paper that insists that bacterial poisoning is actually, or sorry, that insists that the poisoning is actually a bacterial infection. That's what I meant to say. Um, and he admitted privately, even to Dr. Drinker, that he knew the truth. He said, oh, yeah, no, I, I know. It's it's definitely what's killing them. But, you know, out in public. Yeah. <laughs> Look they're, at all this money. Look at all this money they're giving me. How could I not lie? The fucking money. They're just women. Speaking of, 
one dentist who treated a lot of the girls and was uh, having trouble getting payments from them because they're paying everybody tons of money for medical stuff. He was also probably having trouble sleeping after seeing some of that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Also, apparently, just completely lost his soul because he goes to USRC and says, look, you give me money and I will lie to these girls and I will tell them it... (laughs) Sorry. Oh, that's adorable. That was cute. (laughs) I will tell them it definitely wasn't radium poisoning. You're going to be fine. Everything's cool. No worries, girls. Uh, So his soul was apparently worth uh, $10,000, which is $145,000 a day. I mean, that's pretty cheap for a soul. It's pretty cheap. Yeah. He also said, and I'll also lie on the stand. If you need to call an expert (laughs) witness, I'll do that too. And USRC, this guy was... He was too slimy even for them. They were like, no, I don't think so. (laughs) No. No. We all we all know that person that went that would come up and go, I lie for you. No, nah, I'd just rather you tell the truth, <laughs> please. Yeah, because they're like nobody's gonna believe you anyway. No, it's, it's fine. Jesus You're gross. Christ, don't don't touch me. <laughs> so Grace Fryer's uh, spine shattered, her foot bones crushed and thinned. She's now in a back brace and a foot brace. Her jaw is disintegrating. Uh, Grace and Catherine together after two years of looking, they finally managed to get a lawyer to take the case. Grace is one unbelievably persistent, brave soul. Uh, So they get Raymond Berry. Well, I was going to say, Grace is actually the daughter of a union delegate. And so she knew that she would have to go through some stuff, but she was not giving up. She was determined that they were going to be held accountable. Yeah. And two years, that's not two years of normal life. That's two years of watching your body disintegrate before your eyes, being in constant pain. And the clock is ticking on and how many yet, days you have left on it. It's like her. a fucking watching, Cronenberg yeah, film. Watching your friends die around you and knowing that you're... Yeah, it's, it's absolutely just... Unbelievable to keep going under those circumstances. So, uh, she, they have Grace's first. Uh, they want, uh, they have two counts and they want a total of $3 million for them. Uh, there is lots of media coverage and lots more lawsuits coming for both the plaintiffs. And what they also did was they did separate lawsuits for the husbands. You know, um, they're, they're losing the, the, the service of their wives. So, you know, they should be compensated for it. And also the medical bills to, that would pile up and that still need paid. Uh, there's five in total. And the papers called it the case of the five women doomed to die. Can you imagine seeing that in the paper and knowing it's about you? Oh, Jesus. Well, her jaw is falling off of her face. I'm pretty sure she knew. And like, honestly... Yeah. But having it said by, like, like reading it in print is different from having, like, a, a knowledge that you're trying to beat back with, with the, the okay. ever flimsier hope that you have. So, listen, these women were in so much pain that they could break bones and not know because they were already hurting so badly. Yeah. At that point, I'm sure most of them are probably wishing for death. Like, let, let's be honest. If you were in that amount of pain and the doctor's like, you're a floozy, have a Tylenol. Like, I would probably want to throw myself in front of a train or a horse-drawn carriage. Um, <laughs> Honestly, just like a good pillow fight would probably take most of these women out. Oh, absolutely. Their skin was becoming like paper. One scratch. It, it, it just wouldn't heal, you know? Like, they... they they would get bruised if you so much as, like, looked in their general direction. So, like, I'm one of those people that can visualize things, and I have a very active imagination. You said that, and in my head was a pretty girl. You hit her in the face with a pillow, and her whole jaw rips off like a horror Oh, movie. that's horrifying. And that's what I just saw. I just, I just went... 
<laughs> that is horrifying. Oh, it was very graphic. Thank you. <laughs> so USRC's response to the lawsuits was, uh, it was the women's fault. We didn't do anything wrong. Radium's not dangerous anyhow. And they, they set private investigators on the women. Uh, just had them followed everywhere. And then, of course, they brought the syphilis thing back. They, they, they all have syphilis. Syphilis. Women, it's slut jaw. Everybody these, knows that. These, slut jaw. <laughs> these women are littering. Well, I was following this one woman, and she dropped her hand and never stopped to pick it back up. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, so Flynn, he had been actually examining women at a related clock company. I think this is the Waterbury stuff. It very well might be the Waterbury stuff. Get out my Waterbury stuff. Um, yeah, so around this time, a Frances Spletschotter, it's a very pretty name, um, she was in her early 20s. She was the first to die in Waterbury, the Radium Girls. She had um, anemia, sore throat, deteriorating jaw, soft teeth, spontaneous bone fractures. And um, this is just as they were beginning to realize the effects on radium. They, that company, too, rejected that that's what her death was caused by. They had the lip dip uh, paint as well. Um, and then four years later, uh, they pretty much just started dropping, like, flies. All, all these girls are in their teens and 20s. Like, these, are, these ladies did not get to live to their potential by any means. Um, but let me see. This kind of just glances over it because they did have to, they were getting sued out the wazoo as well um, for all of these cases. Your Honor. I, uh, I'd like to call the plaintiff up here. Could you point to the wazoo on this anatomy, anatomy chart to know where did we can sue you out of? I could, but it fell off. I see. <laughs> you had you had Flynn here, and I'm, I'm pretty sure when I say a related clock company, I'm pretty sure he was examining also the, the Waterbury uh, women. And he's proclaiming them absolutely in perfect health. 100% just the picture of health. You're going to live to be 100 in a million until they died. And then it comes out. His degree is in philosophy. <laughs> what share? What really is death, Your Honor? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Depends on what your definition of is is. is. <laughs> so, in uh, back in Ottawa in August 1927, Ella Cruz. She is 24. She's one of the employees at the Radium Dial Company or Luminous Dial Company. Another company sprouts off from it and I started getting the two names confused. But the one, the company that exists in Ottawa, Illinois at the time, she starts, uh, she starts some, some pretty rough suffering. This, and this happens very quickly. She starts having a pimple on her face that grows and grows. Eventually, she ends up in the hospital with septic poisoning. Uh, her face is black from it. She's in incredible pain. And by September 4th, one week after the appearance of the pimple, she is dead. 24 years old. Well, here's the messed up thing about the Illinois company, because um, they tried so hard to hush this scandal that as these girls started dying, they started stealing their bones so that they could not be tested for radium. Yeah, they would do real sneaky things with, with autopsies, as we'll see. It was really... They, they were, I think, even worse than USRC as far as... Uh, the cover-ups. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, all five of the New Jersey cases are consolidated. They actually exhume Molly Maggia. Uh, and uh, so she was the one who, they said, you know, had the syphilis. So we're like, well, let's find out. 
When they brought the coffin up, it glowed. Fucking hell. It's either radium or it's haunted. Yeah. Possibly both. Yes. Tests showed no evidence of syphilis, but guess what was there? Radium. Radi- well, radioactivity. Yes, yes there Each was radioactivity. And every portion of tissue and bone gave evidence of radioactivity. Everything. Permeating her. Years after she was buried. So, a new thing starts showing up. A new radium effect that hadn't been seen before. If this, as if this weren't already terrifying. I actually have, just real quick, because we were talking about Molly. So, as Molly's bones were being dug up, her sisters that worked with her... Uh, Quinta had fractured both of her hips and Albina was bedridden. Yeah. Yeah. This whole family was just being run through. So, so Molly was already gone and the other two sisters that had worked with her were on their way out. Mm -hmm. So just wanted to throw that out there. (laughs) So this new thing that happens is sarcoma. It's basically a, a tumor of the bone. Uh, and it starts showing up, uh, first on Ella Eckert. She dies on December 13th, 1927. We get to the trial, and most women could barely make it to the witness stand. Uh, one could hardly raise her arm for the oath. I'll just, I'll just start fresh. Could have one. fallen off. Yeah, right. And so, uh, and meanwhile, their media darlings, they, they all say that they're going to donate their bodies to science so somebody can figure out what the hell you know happened here, and it can help future people. But you also have some complete assholes, as always, sending letters to the girls. Now, some of them were sympathetic letters, so that's nice. But some of them were like this freaking psycho. There it is. (laughs) Uh, This is one that was written to Quinta. It is pathetic that your lawyers and doctors should be so ignorant. Uh, And then another said, for $1,000, that's almost $14,000, I can cure each of you. This was somebody proposing uh, that they take some scientific baths. I'll treat you with scientific baths. Uh, I just put this radium in the water and everything will be fine. (laughs) Right? Uh, If not, I will ask nothing except the $200 I want in advance. This means life or death. You had better work fast for when that poison reaches your heart. Goodbye, girly. (sighs) I'm so glad that really the best of humanity shines through in this case. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 (laughs) Shines through. Yeah, I'm glad somebody caught that. Yeah, well, I'm, if it's a pun, my, my catcher's mitt is right open. So uh, the judge actually basically gives Raymond Barry, the lawyer, an interpretation of statute of limitations that is brilliant. Because this is not a jury case. This is more like kind of a weird sort of mediation. Uh, so, and the judge is frequently, he's very sympathetic to the victims and he's very helpful to Barry. And meanwhile, the, the, the USRC judge is basically the only word he can say is objection, objection, objection every nice. two seconds. Gossip. See, now, yeah. I've always, I've always thought the statute of limitations is not like, well, statute of limitations on lamb buggery. We'll just use that as a term. Lamb buggery. It's, okay. it's, it's only five years. So, uh, it's been five years since I've buggered a lamb. So I'm in the clear. No, no, no. <laughs> From what I understand of the statute of limitations, it is, you are arrested for lamb buggery and then five years and they do nothing with it. Now you're in the clear. No, no, it's from the time of the incident. Really? I'm almost positive, as as I don't know why I would know that. Let's talk to Christy <laughs> and find out. Well, that may have actually, the statute of limitations may have evolved since those days, or the, our, our understanding, our interpretation of it. 
I'm pretty sure at that point it was like, you haven't even worked there in two years or three years. You know, statute of limitations is five months. Probably they were definitely interpreting it. Probably they were definitely. I'm so precise. (laughs) I'm pretty certain they were interpreting it as at the time of injury. So whenever you first did this thing that ended up injuring you that you were told to do by USRC, lip pointing, then that's the date that you were injured is pretty much what the original interpretation was. But the judge said, now here's how you should probably interpret this. The radium is in their bones. The radium is hurting them every day. So every moment that they're injured because of the radium, the statute of limitations starts up again. It resets at that moment because the injury is occurring again because of something that happened back then. So it's not the moment you lip painted, it's when your femur bone cracked as you were just walking. It's when your jaw came off in your hand. It's every single injury that you get that is a result of this. Bam, clock starts fresh. So that was, isn't it? It was brilliant. I was like, oh, nice. Good judge. Good judge. (laughs) So USRC makes a settlement offer. They say, all right, you'll get $10,000 each minus costs, which of course are going to be expensive. And a bucket of radium. And yeah. And that's about 145000 today. They refused and countered. What they ended up at was $10,000, uh, a $600 a year pension, 8710 today, for life, so every year, um, well, for as long as they lasted. Uh, and uh, they'd get a past and future medical expenses paid. USRC would pay the court costs, and USRC also insisted if we're going to have this whole thing here, then we're also going to admit no liability. That's going to be part of it. That it's, We're still saying we're, we're giving you all this stuff, but we're still saying it's not our fault, which, you know, that, that always confuses me because how can... If it's not your fault, then why are you giving them money? Hmm? Well, and one of the sad parts about this is I don't even think that the women would have agreed to settle had it not been for the fact that they were all given like four months to live. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? It's now or never. They're going to keep drawing this out, asking for longer times, and we're not going to live to see it if we don't take it now. And USRC still manages to make this as slimy as possible because they set up this panel of doctors, which... One doctor is chosen by USRC, one doctor is chosen by the girls, and one is mutually agreed upon. And they're like, oh, you have to have these regular medical exams. We can make sure that you're still suffering horribly from everything that we did to you. uh, And so that we can make sure you still deserve the money. And they keep on trying to be real sneaky with them. They would just, it's left and right. They're trying to pull, you know, like every loophole they can. It's really sick what they put, put these women through. And so this... This is when, finally, the news gets to Ottawa. These girls are already feeling bad. They're already, you know, they're, they're weak, they're tired. Some of them are starting to limp. Panic sets in. So Radium Dial says, all right, well, we'll do some exams and some radioactivity tests. But they never give any reports to the girls. Never. They do contact the paper and said, hey, uh, we'd like to put a full ad in on the third page. Uh, the full ad proclaims the girls in perfect health. And it's, uh, their manager even says, as we, we referenced earlier, this is the moment when it comes. Radium will put rosy cheeks on you. Radium will make you girls good looking. Which, did somebody teach this guy to neg or something? Like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> like, jeez. You know, jawlessness is the new sexy bus line. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about a great gummer. Uh-huh. Another thing the superintendent said, breezing right past that. <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. Um, he, I didn't say this. He said, also, my dear girls, 
if we ever give you a medical report, there'll be a riot in this place. And they didn't understand what he meant at the time. They did later. They were like, oh, okay, yeah, because it's horrifying and we're about to die. And so we would probably all like, you know, stab you a lot, maybe, maybe hit you about the head. I'm only doing what needs to be done to keep me safe. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the extent of it, too. Even when, uh, back in Orange, even when they do, the doctors do the exams on the girls and they do the, the radioactivity exams, when the radioactivity comes through, like, blazing through the roof, horrible radioactivity, they're like, they must be committing some sort of fraud. We have to do it again somewhere else. It's so sneaky and horrible. Um, Vaughn Sachaki dies in November of 1928. Uh, the girls at Radium Dial, they had actually tested positive for radioactivity as early as 1925. They were not told. Uh, they continued to work there for years. In 1928, 34 of 67 girls tested positive. That is half. Mm-hmm. And just of the girls that were tested, they didn't necessarily test everybody. They would just test a portion because, you know, like... Um. I'm willing to bet they tested exactly half. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. This was the case uh, that you mentioned with the autopsy and the sneakiness. Yes. <sighs> so Peg Looney, she died October 14th, 1929. Uh, the company men were there uh, at, the, at the hospital when she died, and they tried to take the body. And her family, uh, there was one member of her family, I believe it was her brother-in-law, he was the only one who was actually able to, like, stand up to them. He was like, no, you're not, it's weird that you're here in the first place. So, no, you're not taking the body. This body is filled with radium that's our property. We're (laughs) taking it. I kind of feel that way in a weird way. Like, I wonder if our company would do that. (laughs) This body is mine. It will sit at the desk until I'm done. Like I said, if I would die, I know my supervisor would come to my my funeral and go, how could you do this whenever we're so (laughs) shorthanded? So after the company was refused the body, they said, well, at least we can do an autopsy. And the family said, okay, but our doctor has to be there. So they set a time, the doctor arrives, and the autopsy was over an hour ago. They, uh, and they, they took all the bones and everything, so it's not like he could check. The company didn't send the autopsy to the parents, but once again, paper. Goes to the paper, and they say, uh, you know, here's, here's the autopsy. Uh, so we'd like you to add a line absolving us to her obituary. To her obituary. Puts the bitch in obituary. It really, really does. So of our five in back in Orange, New Jersey, Quinta McDonald is the first of that five to die, the five who are pressing forward with the lawsuit on December 7th, 1929. Then um, Catherine Schaub, she gets a sarcoma in 1930. And Grace Fryer, actually, uh, during her time at the hospital, she befriends someone from a previous podcast, good old Charles Lindbergh. Whoa. <laughs> in 1931, it was said that her, her time spent with him was a bright spot for her. So, God damn it, the bright spot. Oh, God shit. They just, got me. There's, just, there's too, many. Now, there's too the, many possible puns. The term radium girls, it actually comes from those kind of five core workers. They mm-hmm. were the ones that the, the media dubbed the radium girls. You have Grace Fryer, Edna Hussman, 
Catherine Schaub and the sisters, Quinta McDonald and Albina Larice, they are the original Radium Girls, which goes all the way back to that that girl band from the 80s, because yes. there's five of them. Yes. So you've definitely got the singer, two guitarists, a drummer. It was just the saddest band ever. <laughs> now, these sarcomas, they they come uh, pretty... Oh, boy. Okay. This is, this is about to get rough here. Um, just a warning. Uh, so, uh, Irene Corby Laporte, she had worked at the factory during the war days uh, in Orange, and she discovered, or they, the doctor discovered, a sarcoma in her vagina. A massive, massive pelvic, I can't talk down, you're rubbing off, <laughs> massive pelvic tumor that was said to be larger than two footballs. Jesus fucking Christ. It's horrifying her leg and her side swelled so much that she was paralyzed and once again dr martland said radium poisoning uh she had a suit that she was filing against usrc she died on june 16th 1931 and her husband vincent took up the fight and this would really be part of what helped everybody in the end that he yeah, was so man determined. getting involved. Not that, <laughs> because Grace being as persistent as she was, and yes. we have others yes, in, in yes. Ottawa who are persistent, but but it was definitely part of it. And also maybe maybe, maybe the courts respected him more too. So I roll but yes. <laughs> in uh, in Ottawa you have Catherine Wolf who has worked at the company for years. She is fired for having a limp which kind of makes you think that the, the company might be starting to think, you know, like, oh, things are starting to look bad, that all of our employees are in horrible health. Half of them don't have teeth. Oh, gee, maybe something's wrong. This is like a fucking horror film. Well, Catherine Wolf, are, are you are you hitting that with what happened to her? Are you saying that it's Christy fucking Catherine Wolf? No. <laughs> you hitting that? Catherine Wolf, I think I'll, I'll get, I get, I, I go through you the, go back to? Okay. the long line, yeah, because I'm, I'm pretty sure that um, she was the one who made me sob incoherently. So, mind you, they were, like, regular people were drinking this as a health benefit. So, actually, at the same time that all of this is going on and these poor radium girls are going down... There's an American socialite and athlete named Eben Myers. Who, I think it's Byers. Byers, sorry. Okay. Uh, became notorious for drinking a, a bottle of the, the Radithor every single day, right? And then uh, he actually died from it in 1932. The headline of Wall Street Journal was, The Radium Water Worked Fine Until His Jaw Came Off. Well, there you go. I love the media here. The media yeah. is nuts. Like, they're just, like, very graphic and, um... There are times... Jaw-dropping. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, when I make puns about the mail or telegrams, you know, it's it's frowned upon, but we make horrible puns about radium poisoning, and, oh, it's so funny. You know what? I, I think, especially in... in horrible cases like this we need bad puns we do need bad puns. absolutely humor is something that that humans use to cope with horrible things so we we laugh at it and we make it cute kind of of. sunshiny which is why i'm going to put out a brand of t-shirts with my new mascot coroni the happy coronavirus (laughs) god He's going to have like have like glasses and he's going to have like a, a glass of like Corona beer in one hand and one oh, claw lobster one claw one claw yeah and little bat wings <laughs> I'll help you design it Thank you 
Christy hates us now. <laughs> no, I was just trying to figure out where I was because I, I do, I, I was, I had, I had accidentally skipped a page, and so I went back and I was like, oh yeah, there we are. Um, so yeah, the uh, FTC actually, Evan Byers gave evidence to them that Radithor had killed him before he died. Well, he gave evidence before he died that Radithor would kill him. There you go. <laughs> and he had actually, he had drank several thousand bottles over the year. When he was prescribed this stuff in 1927 for an injury, he was all about it. And that would come back to bite him in the face. Well, God not damn. Not bite, but maybe gnaw. I want to know, this is horrible, but I want to know what these people's poops and peas no, look like. No, I don't know. We don't need to go there. <laughs> so Catherine Schaub, actually, just a little, a little bright spot for you. She, I had mentioned earlier, she was the one who had aspirations to be a writer. She wrote a memoir and had uh, portions of it excerpted into a magazine. So she achieved her dream. And then the FTC, actually, in 1931, they had a cease and desist issued against Radithor, that, that drink we were talking about. They made radiation meds illegal then. But still, dial painting continued into 1933. It seemed wealthy consumers were much more... And this is from the author, by the way. It seemed wealthy consumers were much more worthy of protection than working-class girls. After all, dial painting was still going on, even in 1933. So it's still happening. And and for a while. Uh, So, um, Catherine Schaub at least achieved uh, her dream... Because on February 18th, 1933, she died at age 30. Her father died one week later, and they were buried together. Mm-hmm. Cue Christy sobbing. Uh, another uh, casualty comes on October 27th, 1933. Grace Fryer. Uh, she passes, uh, and she had another sarcoma. So, and girls in Ottawa are also dying, but still, no one is connecting it to the radium. Even though... Remember, we talked about the investigation that happened and, and Sven Kier, he had told them, here's what to look for. You know, he went to all the doctors and dentists and said, here's what to look for for radium poisoning. And, oh, what do you know? They're not seeing it because there's this local plant and it's the depression. And this local plant is one of the few sources of, you know, economic stability. So they don't want to admit it or talk about it in public. And it's just this whole money making, you know, money rolls all thing. So the... So, or they were paid off. That's also another possibility. There's no proof of that, but it's still definitely a possibility. Uh, in 1934, the Ottawa group files suit for 50000 apiece. That's 973000 today. The town turned against them. Because, again, you have this company that is one of the few sources of economic stability. Um, and uh, they... Coal! <laughs> we do it today! It's like around the area... People vote for whoever is going to say they're going to keep the coal plants open. Yeah. We turn against common sense because of financial stability. So they uh, lost the suit. They even took it all the way to the Supreme Court and still lost. In 1935, Irene Laporte's husband's case comes through. It is also dismissed. Uh, The Chicago Press was calling the Ottawa girls the Suicide Club. Uh... One Ottawa girl, several of them did manage to have babies. This this one particular girl in Ottawa, she had uh, a baby at one year old. It was 10 pounds. Oh, my God. One year old. And uh, and this, this, this girl would turn up into a woman, and she would grow. She would always be small. She died fairly young in her 50s. 
another uh, one of these, the Ottawa women, she had three children. And uh, during the time that she, I think she had two, and then she had to have her arm amputated. And then she discovered she had another on the way. So uh, three young children and one arm. Uh, these women, they would literally glow in the dark. They could see their own bones. That's how much radium was in them. It's It's horrifying. The husband of one of these women, he confronted the former manager, Mr. Reed, the one who, had, this was uh, Catherine's husband. Um, the, she was the one who got fired for the limp. Um, the manager swung at him. There was a brawl or quote unquote fisticuff encounter. Ooh. <laughs> fisticuff encounter. See, whenever you say brawl, Fancy. I picture like the fist going forward like we do today. Fisticuffs, it's like the 1920s boxer and like the circling thing. That's fisticuffs. It's so funny to have you both doing this in my face. Hang on a second. I'm going to get a picture of this for the okay. social media. My phone is lost in the papers. Um... But yeah, that's, that's that's exactly the thought that I had. That's so funny. It's like the little fighting Irish guy. Yeah. I have fist. how about you? I practice fisticuffs at Harvard. Hmm. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had that exact same thought. I was like, that's why I wrote it down. So, because at first I wrote down brawl, and then I was like, oh, fisticuff encounter. That's a whole different I thing. Love it. Fisticuff <laughs> encounter. Yeah. Nowadays, nowadays it's like let's rumble. Back then, how about you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, and then even though Reed started the whole thing, the husband is arrested for assault, battery, disorderly conduct, and insanity. <sighs> well, anybody that's upset in these days is insane. Yeah. You if can't... it's a man, if it's a woman, she's hysterical. Hysterical. Yeah. I prescribe this woman 15 vibrators. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, that whole, all those charges seem to be dropped. Nothing seemed to come of them. And in December 1936, Radium Dial closes and no one knows where it went to for the time being. Uh, like I said, there was another company Swallowed in up and back to hell. <laughs> <laughs> there were actually two... Uh, luminous watch companies in this town, one that had split off from the first one. So we're going to definitely see some results from that. The women even tried to get Clarence Darrow on the case. Ooh, country lawyer supreme, Clarence Darrow. Country lawyer supreme in his 80s. Oh my God. I'm <laughs> I think 80 exactly. I'm just a simple geriatric country <laughs> lawyer. Oh, I pooped my pants. So he said... Uh, he said, I can't take it on, but I can refer you. And because what was happening was they, you know, they had the suit that got dropped, but they were able to get a hearing coming up before the Illinois Industrial Commission, the IIC, but they had no representation and it was coming up fast. Now, the IIC, all they had, because radium dial was required to be insured, but then what they didn't know was they kept on getting refused by their insurer because they were using what was now known to be a deadly poison uh, and their workers were dying left and right. So they couldn't get insured, so what they had to do was they had to put $10,000 in a pot, kind of like a like an escrow kind of situation, you know, something like that. So all that that's all these these girls could get, could get um was this $10,000 and but they're they're willing to work hard to try and find it, to try and get it. So they take it to the press. The press finds radium dial in New York City. Meanwhile, Darrow manages to get them to Leonard Grossman, who will be a hero of the piece here. He is a silver-tongued orator who is passionate about rights and workers' conver conversations. He loves eavesdropping, guys. Aww. Loves it. I love that, too. I love <laughs> workers' conversations. The silver tongue helping the glowing-tongued. I wish you hadn't. Thank you. Um, this episode of Old Timey Crimey is sponsored by Podcorn. <laughs> 
So, Scott. Yo. Did you know it's been uh, about a year since we started? We are about to start recording episode 52. I know. <laughs> I know. It was, it's been quite a year. It's been quite a year. And with that new year coming comes uh, the new hosting bills for the next year, for 2020. And you know what's really helping with that? I'm guessing Podcorn. Podcorn is really helping with that. The revenue that we get from doing sponsorships with brands really is helping to make podcasting more possible for us. And we love podcasting. And guess what? We also love Podcorn. Now, if you podcast and you don't know about Podcorn, it's a marketplace that connects podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities like host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn will support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work you do for brands. I really find it just so satisfying to scroll through all the sponsorships and pick the ones that are right for us. Not only that, think of the friendships that we've made. We've made friends with a lot of different companies, good companies, companies that I really feel strongly about. Click the link in our show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities. That's Podcorn. Get paid to do what you love. He's passionate about rights and workers' compensation, and he pretty much not only does this pro bono, but also pays all the expenses. He seriously is. Him. He's quite the dude. Uh, the so dude. the first case is Catherine Donahue, nay Wolf, so the, uh, of the Fired for Her Limp. On February 10th, 1938, her husband and friend's husband had to carry her in to the courtroom. Uh, her jaw was falling apart, literally. Uh, she was picking parts of it out and saving them in a jewelry box that will come up in a minute or so. She had a sarcoma on her hip. She weighed 70 pounds. The Chicago Daily Times, in a moment of ultimate charity, called her toothpick woman. Fuck off with that. Yeah. Uh, the tumor on her hip was about the size of a grapefruit. So imagine that she's she's so wasted away, she's 70 pounds, and then she's got a grapefruit-sized tumor. So a good, like, pound, pound and a half of her is just tumor. Yeah, at know? least. We don't we don't know what's really inside of her quite yet. But no. And when they had, they have pictures of her lying on a couch later, and I was looking at the pictures, and I was like, I'm not sure if the way that blanket around her hip is coming up is the tumor or just the blanket being weird, but I'm grossed out. I saw out. that picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll post that. So uh, she does her testifying. She is she is strong on the stand, um, but it, it's it's you know she 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 persists through it all. When it's over, uh, at the very end of her testimony, she culminates it by pulling out a jewelry box, and that jewelry box contains pieces of her jawbone. So one thing is that again, as I said earlier, the doctors weren't telling a lot of these women that they were going to die. So they still had that glimmer of hope. Once you get that certainty from a doctor, then it's like, okay, you 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 know, it's it's just rough. But she hadn't been told, and the doctor has to say it in court when he's under cross-examination. Or maybe it was direct, I can't remember which. Uh but one way or the other, he said it, she collapses. She is weeping. She is I mean, this this put a serious dent in her health hearing this in such a public place and not having any you know sort of anything prompting it or helping her get there her husband carried her home there's a picture them picture of them in the paper the next day with the headline death is the third person here 
That was Ouch. another crying moment. Um, so the hearing continues, but Catherine is so weak that just coming to court may kill her. So they take the court to her. They, in her deathbed. In her deathbed, which also her couch, technically. But yeah, her death couch. Her death couch. Her death couch. Yeah, they bring... A, a, Rated not, R. And it's not just the, the lawyers in and the judge. The press, too, of course. But it's kind of, I think, it, it seems vulture-like and predatory on the press's part, but it's also necessary to have pressure put against this company. So as horrifying as it seems to have them there in her most vulnerable, weakest moments, it also, you know, it, it, it shows the public exactly the suffering that she is going through. You know, though, I will say this. So I, I used to work as a, a scheduler for court reporting and videography. And um, I can tell you that for depositions and stuff, we would actually go to people's houses when they were too ill mm -hmm. just so we could record their deposition before they would pass in case it no. took a while to get to court. So, like, that is something that still happens today. If you're too sick to make it to court, we will come to you and make sure that your record is going to be heard. And this was before they really, I mean, you could have somebody come and maybe do a stenographer writing type thing. But this yes. was before, you know, they had recording equipment. So instead of, you know, just bringing something to record it, you had to bring everybody yeah, but and yeah, I think that's part of the reason the that, that there are those pictures that we saw is because they wanted to make sure that there was a record for her and that her voice would keep being heard. Exactly, yeah, because you have a lot, of, a lot of voices being silenced as they die. And the women, uh, they formed what they called the Society of the Living Dead. Oh. To work on occupational disease legislation. So they're, they're out there dying, acknowledging that they're dying, and working on trying to make sure that other people people don't. It is true heroism, I think. On April 5th, 1938, uh, Catherine wins. She gets past medical expenses, back salary, damages, an annual pension for life of $277. All told, all of this adds up to uh, $5,6600 and one dollars which is uh today's money a hundred thousand dollars the max allowed by the law the judge is like let me give you everything mm -hmm. <laughs> keep in mind this is all coming from that same ten thousand dollar pot though um but this is one of the first cases where an employer is held responsible for employee health or lack thereof because it was their fault that she wasn't healthy that she was so unbelievably frighteningly sick. In fact, she starts hemorrhaging from her jaw. She is hospitalized for weeks because, and this is pretty rough because there's also an appeal going on. They file an appeal to try and get this case dismissed. She is down to 61 pounds. And if she dies before a ruling on the appeal, then her estate gets nothing. So you got to imagine mm. mounting huge, unbelievable medical bills. The appeal basis is that all the girls lied about being taught lip pointing. And that Mr. Reed, they, when they said that Mr. Reed assured them that they were the picture of health and that they were fine, they were also lying. Uh, on the first one, they were all able to say, nope, that's not true. And on the second count about him, his reassurances, they were able to say, hey, let, me, let me show you this newspaper. And on page three, there's an ad with his signature at the bottom where he says we're all the picture of fucking health. So I think we can demonstrably say that is the truth. Your Honor, we didn't say what kind of health. <laughs> yeah. We just, just said health. A picture of health. You there are, will be weather. <laughs> you are the picture of bad health. Health. So she, um, 
She also, at one point, she requests a special prayer from a famous priest in Chicago. The newspapers catch on and she gets over 2,000 letters. And it is thought among her, her family and her friends that these letters and her knowing that there's all these prayers out there for her uh, helped her keep going for a little while longer because uh, she is like, she's really not long for this world. Um, she wins, the appeal is dismissed, and they even add money for any medical expenses that happened between the original ruling and the end of the appeal, which yay. is like, yay, yes, thank you. Um, this case was a watershed for the other girls' cases, and Catherine, for a little while, seems to be on the upswing. On July 26, Radium Dial, you can see I'm mad, files another appeal, and she died the next day. Probably from just the sheer heartbreak of, are you kidding me? This is happening again. And the fact that she was at that point probably down to 58 pounds and there was nothing left of her. Yep, exactly. And so the inquest uh, is done and the cause of death is literally written as radium poisoning while employed at Radium Dial Company. That's so a win. Finally, That's a win. Yeah. yeah. Voices yeah. being heard at last. Radium Dial takes the appeal all the way to the Supreme Court. Grossman is still all the way covering expenses. The Supreme Court denies it, so the original ruling is upheld. And around comes World War II. And guess what they need? What do they need for World War II? They need more luminous dials. But... Hasn't anyone ever heard of a fucking light bulb? <laughs> the thing is, is that because of all this horror... Dial painting is now the most feared occupation for women, all because of these women who spoke out and persisted and insisted that the truth be heard about their suffering. There are new safety standards for dial painting. Um, and in addition, the safety standards for the Manhattan Project that are possibly um, a result or inspired by the dial painter's plight because somebody was walking through the you know Manhattan Project and they were like, huh, radioactivity. activity. Maybe we should institute some safety standards. George, do you smell glowing? Yeah. <laughs> um, some officials called the women invaluable. Living dial painters from the 20s were tracked down in 1956 to help the Atomic Energy Commission, Amber's favorite name, <laughs> determine long-term effects of internal radiation from atomic tests. Um... Some of these, some women were still working at USRC, which was still plugging along. And so they did it anonymously because they probably couldn't be pretty open about that at work. Uh, and also probably partly due to these tests uh, in 1963, President Kennedy signed the limited test ban treaty, which said that there would be no atomic test bans any or no atomic tests anywhere on land, air, water, or even in space. Holy hell, that pretty much covers every place. Yeah, yeah. And OSHA was created as a result of the dial painters as well. You know, Occupational Safety Health Association. I am probably got one of those words wrong, but it were, I'm, it's been two hours and my back hurts. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm plugging along. I'm plowing through. This study on the, uh, the victims of the radium poisoning continued for decades. Uh, so they... <sighs> Some of the lawsuits, the other Ottawa women didn't get much because, again, there wasn't much left to get. Some of them dropped the cases. Now, you've got places that are using stuff that is incredibly radioactive. So you can't imagine that's great on the environment. And it's not, <laughs> as one might think. 
Uh, USRC contaminated the crap out of Orange. Their former site uh, had 20 times higher than safe levels of radiation. Uh, They also had a dump site where they would put radioactive waste, and there were 750 homes built on that. They changed the name to Fluorescent. Yeah. (laughs) Fluorescent Orange. Yeah, there it is. is. Hunters have a hell of a time there. Uh, This was over 200 acres in some places as far as 15 feet down into the soil. Then USRC, the EPA told them to clean it up and they were like, nah. So the government had to do it. I didn't even know you could do that. I thought it was like required, but apparently you can just be like, nah, nah, not gonna, not gonna. Give us one reason why we should. (laughs) So Radium Dial shut down in 1943, but in the building where it was... Somebody started up a meat locker in the basement. Oh, dear God. Uh, So, uh, many of the employees of this meat locker died of cancer. No. Shockingly. A family that got meat there had a series of brothers get colon cancer within six months of each other. Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know why. Why would such a thing happen? Red meat kills. I'm sorry. The building was torn down in 1968, and the remnants of the building were used as fill in other locations. Oh, good God. So, uh, there's a higher than average cancer rate near the factory, and throughout the town, dogs will die young, there are wildlife running around sporting tumors. Yeah, I mean, MTV did a show on that, right? Jersey Shore? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) This one's in Ottawa, but yeah. Um, (laughs) And uh, that explains the orange. Um, Every family had someone cancer-stricken just about. It's 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 pretty much it's 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 an epidemic. I I want I want people to realize how just an amazing fuck up radioactivity is to the environment. There is a test that that scientists use to determine the date of artifacts. It's called carbon fourteen, and it measures the rate of radioactive decay in an item to to judge ancient items. There is an equation you have to plug into whenever you do carbon-14 to allow for the radiation released into the atmosphere during the atomic tests and the atomic bombings. Because the actual atomic bombings still to this day throw off the carbon-14 test. So you have to put in this equation uh, a, a series of numbers to make up for the massive amounts of radiation that we released in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was a documentary about Ottawa done called Radium City by filmmaker Carol Langer. The mayor was like, nope, don't go see it. She's trying to ruin our town. And the crowd was standing room only and they had to add an extra showing. The EPA cleanup in Ottawa still going on in 2019 and probably will continue. Some of these women survive. We'll never really have real numbers, but the radium always gets them in the end. Uh, Sort of out of order, but in 2006... Eighth grader, this is still in Ottawa, eighth grader Madeline Pillar, uh, she read a book about the Radium Girls, and she said, why is there no monument to these women? There should be a monument. So uh, she set about changing that, and Ottawa raised $80,000. They unveiled a bronze statue on September 2nd, 2011, and the government pronounced that, or the governor pronounced that day Radium Girls Day in Illinois. I am very sad to say that the statue is of a woman standing on a clock dial holding a uh, paintbrush and on one hand and a tulip in the other. And I hate that the tulip looks kind of like a penis. 
like a weird deformed penis. It could have been worse. It could have been like a bunch of women with paintbrushes and no lower jaws. That is true. So that is like, very it true. It could have been a lot. But worse. it was. It they was could have very. Covered it in radium paint. It was right? so you could see it glow at night. It was very distracting looking at these pictures. I wanted to be like inspired and touched by it, but all I could do was like, that looks like a deformed penis. Why would you choose that? That's dumb. Because no. she ripped it off of the corporation. <laughs> there we go. Okay. There all right. Is. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> So the other plant that we mentioned in Ottawa, luminous processes, we didn't talk about it a whole lot, but it started as competition for radium dials by Joseph Kelly. It was still going on in Ottawa for a long time. There was radiation everywhere uh, on smocks washed once a week with the family laundry. So, you know, washing with little Billy's underwear. There we go. <laughs> 25, 30 years later, wonder why he can't have children. In ventilation shafts above a children's play area. Of course. Sandboxes again. Yeah, I was going to say they were putting it in the playgrounds. Mm-hmm. So, And they said, you know, just you can, you can still do the dial painting and everything. Just don't lip point. You'll be fine. They put up literally zero warning signs anywhere. Women started losing teeth, getting tumors, and the supervisor still said, nope, there's no link. And in fact, breast cancer is hormonal. Fuck that guy. Jesus. And this was in 19... 19- 78. That sounds about right. But it's been so many years. I know. It was it was literally banned from medicine over 45 years ago. And still we have women working with it and people not telling them. The cancer rate among these workers was two times the, the normal. It was double the normal rate. The studio was shut down. Radiation levels were tested 1,666 times higher than safe levels. Oh, 666 in there. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they needed to do a cleanup of the site. Luminous Processes paid about $62,000 for it. And the cleanup, of course, went into the millions. And they offered all the workers a $100 settlement, uh, like the assholes that they are. <laughs> Here's 100 bucks. Sorry about not having teeth. Yeah. Like- what? So, and here we have, you know, basically just like Fuck. history repeating itself and, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's very, it's aggravating to get through all this and feel this, this moment of, you know, there's been some victory, there's been some good stuff and then you get a little bit past that and it's just the same cycle happening all over again. So that's all I have. Uh, do you guys have anything else? I do. I yes. do. So some of these radium girls actually did get to have a long life. Okay. So, um, this is actually back in 2014. May Keen passed away at the age of 107. Wow. Um, but she only worked there for a few days. She hated the taste of the radium. She hated sticking in her mouth. Well, thank God. That might explain why she was able to live to 107. Yeah. So, after just a few days, the, the boss is like, do you just want to quit? And she's like, yes, please, thank God. You know, just enough um, radium to be okay. Like, you well, get those benefits, but no. Well... Um, she still lost all of her teeth by the time she was in her 30s. She wow. beat cancer twice to live to 107. And she actually um, gratified that by saying it's because I have a very lazy lifestyle. That's why I did a little better than everyone else. So, right on. Good for her. <laughs> Love her. I like that because if I ever live to 100, I'm going to give like the most ridiculous reasons for why I made it. How, oh, how'd, yes. How'd you make it? Every day I shoot myself in the foot. <laughs> well, okay. So when this article first came out it was originally published as she was the last radium girl but there was a correction made to this article and that's what i was talking to you about because at the time now this is in in 2015 they're saying that after the story aired they received word that a 104 year old mabel williams who lives in olympia washington 
working in one of the factories as a young woman was still alive. And wow. it's only a matter of time before some of these corpses reanimate due to the radiation. So I, I didn't get to look to see when she died, or I'm sure she's dead by now. But, um, I mean, she could have lived to 109. She yeah. could still be alive. We could still have a radium girl. Wow. So Amazing. I didn't get to, to research that part, so I apologize. I did find a lovely poem by Eleanor Swanson called The Radium Girls. We sat at long tables side by side in a big dusty room where we laughed and carried on until they told us to pipe down and paint. The running joke was how we glowed, the handkerchiefs we sneezed into lighting up our purses when we opened them at night, our lips, our nails, painted for our boyfriends as a lark, simmering white as ash in a dark room. Would you die for science? The reporter asked us. Edna and me, the main ones in the paper, science? We mixed up glue, water, and radium powder into a glowing greenish-white paint and painted watch dials with a little brush, one number after another, taking one dial after another all day long from the racks sitting next to our chairs. After a few strokes, the brush lost its shape, and our bosses told us to point it out with our lips. Was that science? I quit the watch factory to work in a bank and thought I'd gotten class, more money, a better life, until I lost a tooth in the back and two in the front, and my jaw filled up with sores. We sued, Edna, Catherine, Quinta, Larice, and me. But when we got to court, not one of us could raise our arms to take the oath. My teeth were gone by then. Pretty Grace Fryer, they called me in the papers. All of us were dying. We heard the scientist in France, Marie Curie, could not believe the manner in which we worked and how we tasted that pretty paint a hundred times a day. Now, even with our crumbling bones, we'll glow forever in the black earth. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. That is something. And, yeah, that, that to me, that was powerful. Like, that gives me chills every time I read it. And I'm sitting here, and I'm joking about stuff. But what these women went through was hell. Uh, I've... And Amber and Christy have known me for years now. They'll know that I'll joke about my parents' death. They'll know that uh, they they know that I have the theory that if I can't laugh at it, it's going to kill me. Do not take my jokes as as an uncaring uncouthness. I I do care for these people. These people died in probably the worst way possible. Uh, not only not only rotting from the inside out and from the outside in at the same time. But being told that they're liars, mm-hmm. you know, on top of that, adding like adding like a, almost a cancer of the soul to the cancer that was ripping up their bodies. I do, do, do feel for these women. Uh, but like I said, if, if you can't make jokes about it, you know, then then it will kill you. And honestly, like, I, I think it's beautiful that these women still live on. You know, and the new laws that were passed and the safety that comes through. And OSHA. Yeah. yeah. How many yeah. how many people's lives have been saved and improved because of their courage, their strength, and the, the, the fact that they would not give up. That Absolutely. they always persisted, even up until death. My fucking jaw falls off. I'm sorry, I'm taking the rest of the day off. <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a Netflix binge. Yeah, it's like, I'd really like a slice of pizza right now, but <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm putting ble- a toast in a blender and drinking it at this point. But yeah, just wow, the guts of these people is incredible. I yeah, hats off to them. Yeah, absolutely. Same same here. So uh, yeah, if that's all we got. 
That was a long one. That was. You okay, ladies? <laughs> I know you that you're no gentle and fragile and sluttish. So. I'll break your bottom jaw right off. <laughs> Amber's going to view the slut jaw. There we go. You'll have slut jaw. I kind of already do. <laughs> So, all right, if you uh, felt that you were educated and enlightened by this discussion of some really horrific things that happened to some people and the bravery with which they faced it, uh, then you can go ahead and uh, find us on our social media and talk to us about it. We And also come and look at pictures. We'll try not to put up anything too horrifying. Scott. Scott. <laughs> There's a lot of really graphic ones. Yeah. Uh, so maybe not those. Okay. I guess I, I, I handle the social media, so I guess I am going to have to see a couple of these photos <laughs> now. Uh, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Old Timey Crimey. You can also go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash oldtimeycrimey, and come and and get uh, you can get some some business card templates so you can be you know a private dick or um, a flatfoot. Uh, you can also uh, do our listen to our old tiny crimeys. Some mini sews we have there that are uh, we're having a lot of fun with those. They're uh, outstanding because only one of us knows what the subject is. Yeah, sometimes I think that's better, <laughs> but at the same time they also we have the benefit of uh, each of us having filling in gaps in the other's research when we do the, the whole thing. So it's sort of like a you know we get the both, best of both worlds. I felt very much like a fifth wheel this week because your research was incredibly thorough. Well, I told I you guys I was doing a deep dive. You guys shouldn't even do any research when I do a deep dive. I found the poem. You did find the poem. That is true. That is true. You did find the poem. You found the thing about. I should have backed yeah. off though. No, you were you were fine. You were fine. You, you 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 guys found lots of stuff that I didn't find because there's you know if, if it's not in the book almost you know, there's very little else I'm gonna find. I was like Pierre Curie. I must find out about his death. That wasn't in the book, you know. So so I'm yeah. Glad you did though. I'm I'm really glad you did because I loved hearing about Pierre Curie getting run over by a horse-drawn carriage. You're kind of sick, you know. So anyhow, yeah. if you enjoy Amber's sickness, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so we're over on, on Patreon. And we also uh, have, you can use our oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com address on PayPal. And if you just want to leave a buck on the nightstand, as we like to say. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple iTunes or whatever other platform you're on. Follow us so that you can get our weekly episodes updated every week. And I think that's all of my shit. So uh, are we all just basically just staying away from other human beings this weekend? Is that the plan? No, we have to go into a Petri dish. Oh, yeah. you have to go into a Petri dish to yeah. build with other human Work. beings. Oh, Work. Boy. All right. Yeah. No windows either, just to make sure we give it to each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun dying with you. <laughs> I've actually I've had great fun accidentally sneezing on people. You, you truly are chaotic evil. You are absolutely I chaotic I love evil. It. I love it. I just I sprinkle chaos all around me and it, it amuses me greatly in the form of your mucus and snot. No, like I don't actually sneeze, but like I just like fake sneeze around people because it makes them really nervous. Um, and I think it's funny. So that's where I am. I have a game coming to us that I want to have a game night one night. Awesome. Some some night that I'll, I'll even take a day off work here to play this. Uh, we're all familiar here at Old Timey Crimey with an author named Chuck Tingle. Yes. 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 I got on the way coming to me the Chuck Tingle role-playing game. Oh, no. The Tingleverse. Oh, dear God. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it is like Dungeons and Dragons. But in the Chuck Tingle universe, you can be uh, a a Bigfoot, a human, a Velociraptor, or a unicorn. I call Velociraptor. Hey, that's I call fun. unicorn. That's fun. Now, there is a downside to being a unicorn. 
you if you find a helmet, you can't wear it unless it's specifically designed for to allow for the hole through the head. Everything has its downsides. Absolutely. So yes, I do want to play the tingle verse with you guys one night. That would be really fun. <laughs> I don't want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do last night? Play the tingle verse with the ladies? I played with Scott's tingle verse. <laughs> It's all part of us, and we're all part of it. <laughs> um, I am this weekend. I've got some papers to grade, and then I have to get ready for uh, remote learning, teaching. Well, I guess I'm going to be remote teaching. They'll be remote learning. Yay, since, uh, coronavirus! Coronavirus has moved us uh, off campus, so it's going to be uh, different and weird, and I have to figure out uh, a whole new method of instruction. And uh, But, hey, you know... Learn some new stuff and figure out some, you know, different ways that work and don't work in case another pandemic comes around. I imagine it's only a matter of time until Amber and I are working from home, quite honestly. Oh, no. They, they'll never let that happen. You don't think so? No. No. Mm. Mm. I mean, like, I wish they would, but it will never, ever happen. Honestly, I kind of like the fact that I live, like, ten minutes away from work. That way, it gives me a nice little separation, but it doesn't take too much time out of my life getting back and forth. So... All in good time, I guess. All in yeah, good time. We'll see what happens. So uh, everybody out there, stay safe, stay hygienic. Um, don't hoard shit. Just get a normal, somewhat mount, you know. Yeah, like stop with the toilet paper. <laughs> like, so seriously, get, do yourself a favor. Instead of toilet paper, play it smart. Go get yourself one of those shower heads that you can take off and just wipe your bottom with that. Like a nice, healthy spray of water to wipe the poop away from your butthole. Boudet. Exactly. A poo day. <laughs> and uh, from us at Old Timey Crimey, just remember, if your boss tells you to put it in your mouth, it's perfectly safe. Don't. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that I ended on a horrible joke? I love you guys. <laughs> I love you guys so much. All right. I'm just imagining my boss telling me to put something in my mouth. We'll see you next week. I'm very sorry that I did that. <laughs> Bye. Ashamed bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. My sources for this week are the book Radium Girls by Kate Moore, highly recommended, Wikipedia, and Oak Ridge Associated Universities. Uh, my sources are the Atomic Heritage Foundation, mostly just because I love their name, BuzzFeed by Kate Moore. Uh, an article on CNN.com from Jacopo Prisc Prisco? Yes. Um, Good old Jacopo. Jacopo, yeah. Uh, an article on NPR written by Rebecca Hersher. An article on Roadtrippers.com by Alexandra Cheriton. And an article on from ConnecticutHistory.org by Nicole Fontaine. My sources for this week are the ever-popular Wikipedia... The ColoradoPoetsCenter.org, believe it or not, and the wonderful and highly recommended Stuff You Missed in History podcast. Mm, that's a good one.